You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's Jacob Lukowitz, online and social media editor at SD Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast episode about the latest advancements in authentication and also where the field needs some work. I had the pleasure of speaking to Chris Niggle, the Regional Chief Security Officer of the Americas at Okta. Here's how it went. So to get started, is, have there been any uh, notable things happening in the authentication space as of late that you're, you're seeing? Yeah, you know, most significantly, organizations are really trying to move towards passwordless or phishing-resistant authenticators. Um, we've seen a we've seen the threat actors begin to create um, phishing platforms that ease that have easily uh, adopted uh, SMS or or one-time password uh, uh, multi-factor authentication methods. And so organizations are recognizing the need to move to stronger authentication, utilizing tools like YubiKeys, uh, the Okta Verify product, uh, Device Trust, uh, and other um, uh, authenticators that can't be fished with an attacker in the middle uh, uh, perspective. I see. Yeah, and are passwords and employee sign-in like still a common attack surface for cybersecurity threats? Absolutely. Uh, the identity attacks are. Um, you know, over 80% uh, of, mm-hmm. or over 80% of uh, breaches, according to the, the last two Verizon uh, data breach uh, investigation reports. Uh, and so we're, we're absolutely still seeing that as a primary uh, vector. Hmm. So it's interesting to see that there's a lot of new like security and authentication methods in place, but it still seems like there's a, a really high cybersecurity cyber threat on that front. Can you tell me a bit about why that is? Yeah, well, we've developed multi-factor authentication technology, but mm-hmm. adoption um, of MFA mm-hmm. is still very, very low. Uh, a Microsoft study, uh, you know, a recent Microsoft study had shown that less than twenty percent of Azure administrators had multi-factor authentication turned on, and only recently are we seeing multi-factor being enforced by organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a great example here is, is GitHub, uh, talking about you know, supply chain security. Uh, in uh, July of this year, GitHub is enforcing multi-factor authentication for contributors to major open source projects. Um, mm-hmm. And without that, right, without that enforcement, uh, there just hasn't been the adoption uh, in, in the strong authentication we need. Mm-hmm. So the, the move is to kind of, um, for all these companies, just to force everybody to do uh, MFA? Or do you think that most people are like ready and willing to put more uh, attention and focus on security? Well, the I mean, the, co- the common barrier is that employees need to be able to do their jobs. Uh, they're not, um, uh, employees aren't uh, compensated based on security, right? They're compensated on productivity. And MFA traditionally employed impedes that productivity. So organizations are very reluctant to roll that out. Now, where we are today with the zero trust security models, we can actually deploy MFA in ways that um, don't uh, don't negatively impact productivity. So we're Mm -hmm. seeing at Okta, 
much more adoption of multi-factor because it's being placed in this enablement light as opposed to a um, an impediment to, to progress. What measures should you take to ensure the highest levels of authentication security, do you think? So the, the first step are for organizations to understand, or for security organizations to understand how the company uses data and therefore being able to put the right authentication in the right place. The second step, you know, building upon that is utilizing, um, a, again, zero trust methods uh, to be able to get information from other sources. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, uh, recognizing when an employee is using a company managed device and mm-hmm. then making the authentication process uh, uh, have less friction uh, or giving them access to more sensitive data. But when an employee comes in using a personal device or a mobile phone, uh, maybe only allow them access to email, um, mm. but don't allow them to access uh, sensitive data or, or trade secrets. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, and uh, within uh, Octa Suite, um, what kind of capabilities are you seeing that people are are enforced or enacting the most within their organizations? So again, with um, within our uh, a product suite, we're seeing that adoption of what we call uh, adaptive authentication. Um, in fact, we've seen 147% increase in the use of risk-based authentication policies in the last two years. And, mm-hmm. and that's what really allows the security teams to become that enablement, to give employees access to the data they need quickly, but still protect it from uh, from the attackers. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, and you're saying that the uh, the MFA is still the dominant way, uh, you know, uh, the dominant security authentication measure. Um, but are you seeing moves towards things like biometrics and and password lists? I know that was pretty big like two years ago, but didn't, don't know if there have been you know has been uptake on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, we're we're absolutely seeing that too. So. When we started, you know, uh, down this MFA journey, it was using uh, like uh, RSA tokens or using SMS-based, you know, authentication. Um, but as we mentioned, the, the attackers have found ways around um, those solutions. So we're seeing organizations adopting higher assurance factors. Um, biometrics, for example, the usage has gone up twenty-four uh, percent. Uh, or has gone up to 24%, um, up from 21% last year. Um, and we're, we're seeing that category grow um, at 46%, you know, year over year. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, just the fact that it's easy now. We're all used to using things like Touch ID, Face ID, Windows Hello. So those capabilities are built into the, the hardware we're using, whereas two years ago, that was really nascent. Hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I've heard a lot about um, these new, you know, standards and regulations. Seems like there's new ones popping up every couple of months or years or so. Um, so, how do the is it on the side of the authentication solution to kind of keep up with all of those? We need to support, um, but it's really the the customers um, that are driving mm-hmm. the adoption of those standards. 
um, whether they're in regulated industries and they're looking for uh, NIST compliance, um, or if they're again working with um, uh, a personal information uh, and then mm -hmm. needing to, to demonstrate appropriate protections for GDPR or CCPA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Yeah. And one of my last questions is, um, what are you seeing for the, the future of authentication? Where do you think it's going to move? So, I mean, the future for authentication is its use as uh, the, the primary pillar for zero trust. I mean, organizations are trying to build zero trust networking um, or, or zero trust security policy uh, and programs. And we're see we've seen a huge growth in that. Uh, mm -hmm. four, four years ago, as part of our state of zero trust uh, security report, uh, only 16% of the companies that we surveyed had a zero trust initiative in place. Uh, mm -hmm. And now uh, that number is over 97% have a zero trust initiative in place or will be starting in the next 12 months. So what are some like the immediate things that fall into the auspice of, of the zero trust initiative? Mm -hmm. Having centralized identity management not mm -hmm. only of your workforce and extended workforce, but also the devices that those individuals are using. And then being able to apply those risk-based authentication policies uh, to that. Um, again, the, mm -hmm. the neat thing about this is that it really enables security to, or it allows security to enable the workforce as opposed mm -hmm. to being the group that always says no. Yeah, uh, I see. Okay. Yeah, and um, uh, what are you seeing like uh, that that organizations should do to like um, uh, what, what's like the short term things that they can do to to implement like better authentication methods and better better security in general? Is it like a training aspect or something that they can immediately do? So training is a, a big component of this, uh, educating users on um, uh, the types of of phishing attacks that are out there. Mm -hmm. But I think the the most impactful step is moving towards phishing resistant authentication. Um, using tools like Okta Verify, like the biometrics um, that prevent those phishing attacks from being successful in the first place. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for your insight. Is there anything else that you feel is important to add that I haven't asked about? So like we covered a lot of ground. Um, yeah, there was one other number I thought was was really interesting, um, mm -hmm. and that because uh, uh, you had asked about is um, uh, our phishing attacks is it still kind of a, a common threat, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, as the as the um, uh, an identity vendor, you know, our visibility into this is fairly unique. Um, about fifty percent of the attacks that we see against customers are uh, this these uh, attacker in the middle. Uh, style threat, um, where the attacker is um, proxying that uh, two-factor authentication, right, and and trying to gain access to resources. Uh, and again, that's where these uh, phishing resistant, the web auth and the biometrics come into play, as they can prevent um, the success of of you know of mm -hmm. uh, those types of attacks. I see. So the MFA isn't foolproof. There, there should be another layer on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're we're we need to move from you know SMS based MFA to these phishing resistant factors. 
I want to extend a big thanks to Chris and to everyone who tuned into our podcast episode today. Be sure to check out all other episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. Till next time, this has been What the Dev. 